Our theme verse is in Ephesians chapter 4. I think you all know it by now. But speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into, into Christ Jesus, our head. We want to read today um, all of chapter 3. But we want to begin in chapter 2, verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. And to bring to light 
What is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things? So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 又是众众人都明白，这历代以来隐藏在神创造万物之神里的奥秘，是如安是如何安排的，为要借着教会使天上之政的掌权的，现在得知神百般的智慧。This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which He carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 因此我在我父面前屈膝天上地上的各家都是从他得名求他按着他丰盛的荣耀借着他的名叫你们心里的力量刚强起来是基督因你们的信住在你们心里叫你们的爱心有根有基。And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Even as Paul has prayed, let us bow before our Heavenly Father. Our Father, we come to you in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The key to the universe, to our salvation and our life. Our hope of glory. We come in His precious name. And we desire to grow up in all aspects in the Christ. 
We pray that we might hear the truth in love. That we might be able to see what you are doing. And having caught a glimpse, just a glimpse, by your Spirit be able to cooperate with that which you are doing. Lord, we ask and need your Holy Spirit to reveal the things which natural man cannot understand. We depend on your Spirit to be our teacher. And we are confident that he is able to bring all the things of Christ into view. Now we give you this time. Do strengthen us. Quicken our spirit. Give us a hearing ear. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We are growing in all aspects into him who is our head, even Christ. And this growing involves us understanding some things which cannot be seen. And we are learning from the Apostle Paul that often things which can't be seen are of the greatest significance to our growth. We can see the great earthquake and the tsunami that took place this week. So great was this activity that the whole island of Hanshu was moved eight inches from where it was before. This is a tremendous outward thing. But are we aware of the tremendous moving by the Spirit of God in this day on this earth? Last time I shared, we shared from Ephesians and chapter 1. And we see that Paul is unveiling before us God's the mystery of God's great will. It's a tremendous matter before us. But it's an unseen thing. What is it? God has unveiled his will. To sum up all things in Christ. Everything that is going on now spiritually is moving toward that end. You and I are being brought up, growing up into this head. This is a tremendous work. It's being done all over the world. Indeed, 
all over the universe. There's a great work in the universe. All things are being summed up in Christ Jesus. Do you see it? As Paul shows us this vision, he begins by showing us a Christ at the peak of this glorious mountain as I have tried to portray it. Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, is now at the top of this glorious mountain. He is head over all things. His name is far above any other name. He is above all principalities and powers in heaven and on earth. He is he has been made preeminent over all things. He is the top. He is the goal. He is the number one and there is no number two. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And if we want to understand our universe according to God, we must see that Christ is this exalted center of all that God the Father is doing today. And as Paul unveils this great vision of God's plan, we not only see Christ at the mountain peak, but we see the mountain itself. And this mountain indeed is God's people. The church. It's not just a mountain. It's a glorious mountain. Paul says, I want you to have eyes to see the glorious church. Underneath Christ there's a bride being prepared. There's a glorious church without spot nor wrinkle. It has a glorious calling. It has a glorious inheritance. And there's a tremendous spirit who has the power to bring to conclusion the summing up of all things in Christ. These are very large universal issues. We desire to grow up in the Lord. But this necessitates us seeing these things going on in the unseen. Why are you going through difficulties in your life? Many times we don't understand. But when the Lord pulls back the curtain of all that is going on, we see that everything in our life is working together toward this summing up of all things in 
When Paul describes this great, great spiritual work, we remember last time he comes to prayer. Now Paul calls himself a steward of the mysteries of God. If you has, uh, have read his letters, you know that Paul has a stewardship. He sees the mysteries of the spiritual life. And he sees the key to unlocking the mysteries being the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so Paul speaks about the mystery of God's will. The mystery of God. The mystery of Christ. The mystery of the church. The mystery of Christ in you. The mystery of godliness. The mystery of the gospel. The mystery of iniquity. Now, all of that says is there's more going on to these words than human knowledge alone can understand. But these mysteries are not mysteries that are meant to remain hidden. Indeed, Paul says that he's a steward of the mystery whose calling is to make known these mysteries. But the key is twofold. One, these mysteries must be seen through Christ Jesus. He's the key that unlocks these mysteries. And secondly, these mysteries can only be understood by revelation. That is to say, beyond our mind's understanding, our spirit sees something. Paul says, I bring to light these mysteries. He said here in, in chapter 3, I bring to light this mystery hidden since the beginning of time. Now, if we are to grow up in all things, we must be those who understand these things by revelation. To the natural man, they don't make sense. The natural man leads a self-centered life. But those who have seen something of the mystery, their lives are Christ-centered. And they are seeing things of eternal glory. And so Paul prays, Oh, Father, Father of glory, reveal your glory by a spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
Help the saints not only understand Christ with their mind, but even beyond their mind, by an illumination of all that He is. We may know Christ as our Savior, as our Lord. But Paul assures us there's so much more to know. If we will study the Word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us these mysteries in Christ, we will find that we always have to move our camera further back in order to get the whole picture of who our Lord is. Now, I am no photographer. All I have is an iPhone. Now, if I want to take a picture of a few of you, now I just take my iPhone out and point it and pop it and a picture comes up. But now, if I had my iPhone here this morning, and if I wanted to take a picture of everybody here, I couldn't. Because I couldn't go back far enough. This is too broad. And so is our Lord Jesus. Whatever camera you begin with, you have to, have to upgrade. Wider angle lens. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Even with the four Gospels, each Gospel, our Jesus Christ gets bigger, bigger, bigger. The Gospel writers go back further and further with bigger lenses to try to capture all there is of Jesus. I would like to see Apostle John's camera. How big is his lens? He talks about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a very big lens. Now Paul is taking us even further back. This Christ, who is our Creator. And now he's speaking of a universe created by the Christ. And in order to see Christ, we have to go way, way back past our neighbor's house. So when we study the Word, a huge universe of who Christ is opened up. And the more we see, the more we say, Lord, 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 Lord. <laughs> he is the, the Lord. Now in chapter 3, we see uh, Paul coming to a second prayer again. Now nobody knows more than a steward of the mysteries that these mysteries cannot be transferred just by uh, words. As Paul tries to describe the mystery of Christ, his words are fail, fail him to describe. And he says, Lord, give them a revelation. 
Now in chapter 3 we find him praying again. Because he has spoken further unveiling the mysteries in Christ. And again he feels the need to bow before his father and pray for these saints. Because Paul is now speaking and unveiling another great matter. It has great dimension. Breadth, length, height, depth. He's speaking of something that surpasses knowledge. Now I ask you the question. How can you know something that's beyond knowledge? Now if you are a crafty Chinese, you have a good mind. I noticed today there's not too many crafty Americans around. You are crafty with your mind. But Paul is unveiling something that's knowledge surpassing. Now what are you going to do about that? All of your amazing skill that comes from your abacus and the, from all of those characters you've memorized, it won't help you. And so Paul prays. Because he's unfolding a tremendous, vast reality. What is this great thing that has these dimensions to it that is knowledge surpassing? In chapter 1, he speaks about this glorious Christ in the church that we are being built into by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are being built into Christ. Now, Paul speaks of Christ being built into into us. The first great universe of mystery is the vastness of what God is doing in summing all things up in Christ. But now there's another vastness. It's a microscopic vastness. It's a vastness within the redeemed hearts of men and women. Paul in the early part of this epistle has taken us through a telescopic view of the universe. Now Paul desires to bring us in into a microscopic understanding of another unseen universe in the hearts of believers. How vast are the dimensions of Christ in you? You are in Christ. Is Christ in you? 
If Christ is in you, 如果基督在你里面的话 ，What are the dimensions of it? 那你这个这个大小有多少呢？在你里面 ？Well, he's in me. Sometimes he helps me. 他有的时候或许会帮我。I don't think we have quite caught all the dimensions yet. 但是我们好像没有完全发现到他这大小是如何。John says, "If you abide in Him, and if He abides in you." 那约翰也告诉我们说，如果他你住你住在他里面，他就住在你里面。There's a new power in prayer. 那有一个祷告的一个能力。There's a new understanding of the word. 你能够能够更进一步的明白。There's a new power of obedience. 那你有一个顺服的一个新的能力。What is Christ in you, the hope of glory? 那基督在你里面，这荣耀的盼望究竟是什么呢 ？Where does Paul talk about that? 那保罗在哪里提到这件事情 ？In Ephesians. 是在以弗所书吗？ Well, he mentions the phrase in Colossians. And the Colossians also mentioned Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Christ in you, the hope of glory. But exactly here in chapter three, he is speaking of the same thing. That in the Colossians chapter three, he is speaking of the same thing. Christ in you, the glory of it. That's what I would like us to see today. That's what I would like us just to see today. If we are to grow up in all things, we must come to understand Christ in me. 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 But for those of you who are interested, if you turn to chapter three, 如果你有兴趣的话，我们第三章 and verses eighteen, 第十八节 we see that it says, 我们看到他所提到的 we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. 那也和众圣徒一同明白基督的爱是何等长阔高深。Now your version may add something to that. 那或许你的版本会加一件事情。But in the original language, 但是在原文里 ，it just mentions these four things: the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. 那在原文里面只有提到四点，就很简单，就是长阔高深。But there's no object. 但是在这边没有这个，就是领受的这个呃这个对象。Paul mentions no object. 那提到这里没有领受的对象。He says breadth, length, height. Oh, 没有物件，就是讲到长阔高深。The question is, 那问题是 of what? 那是什么的东西的长阔高深呢 ？Paul doesn't say. 那保罗没有提到。But now translators of the Bible, they hate to leave it like that. 那在中文里翻译有爱，那有翻译的人喜欢加一个字下去。Now we must fill it in with something. 我们就把将字的填进去。What could this be talking about? This breadth, length, height, and depth. 那是什么的东西的长阔高深呢 ？And so the NIV. 那就英文的这 NIV 版。Being a wonderful translation, but not so technical. 那是非常好的一个翻译版，但是不是很精确的。See, I have New American Standard. 我是用 New American Standard. It puts no object because there's no object. 他就没有把这个东西放在里面，因为原文里面是没有。Even though it makes people go, what? Still, no. They don't put things in like. 有的时候你看到这翻译是什么有点奇怪，但是他不会把这些东西添加下去。But in NIV, 但是在 NIV 版本 ，the easy answer. 那简很简单的一个答案。Breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ. 那就像我们中文翻译一样，就是长阔高深乃是神的爱，基督的爱是何等长阔高深
Because what immediately follows it, it, it continues to say in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. I think also in the Chinese. This has been added. Now, there's, there's no doubt about it. Who can measure the immeasurable love of Christ? We even sing the song, right? The love of God is greater far. We also sing, It passeth knowledge that they love of God. You didn't sing. It passeth knowledge that they love of God. So, I mean, so there's no doubt about it. Who can measure? The love of God larger than the ocean. And as a matter of fact, Paul brings it up. But what is the actual object? So probably half, I only have maybe 20 commentaries on Ephesians. And I looked at everyone. And half of the interpreters say, it's the love of God. Now they all agree, Paul leaves, gives no object to this dimension. But they all say it must be the love of God. And actually many of these Bible scholars are influenced by Augustine. Because Augustine said, what are these four dimensions? It's the four uh, uh, and the four endings of the cross. How deep is the love of God in the cross? How high is the cross? And it has a breadth, it has a length. There's four dimensions to the cross. This is the mystery of the cross. Luther says the exact same thing. And all the scholars, they say the exact same thing. Because this is a wonderful thing to come. And surely when Paul is talking about great things, the love of Christ comes to mind. But the scholars who try to follow the grammar, they say the problem with saying that this is the dimensions of the love of Christ, the problem is one word in verse 19. It's the word conjunction we translate and. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses now. This is a conjunction and, but not one that Paul usually uses in this kind of place. There's several words for and. But this particular word means and also the love of Christ. 
implying that when Paul is speaking of the dimensions, he's thinking of something else. And then also to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And so, uh, Govet says the, the object has to be something other than the love of Christ. And other scholars, especially the Greek scholars, certainly agree. Of course, uh, this leads to the problem then. Well, then what is Paul talking about? You know what Brother Sparks says? Now, Brother Sparks goes down to uh, the end of verse 19. And he says that the uh, uh, breadth and length and height and depth is speaking of the fullness of Christ. And if you know Brother Sparks, he means the fullness of the Christ, which involves Christ and His Church. Of course, this is a great answer. And of course, very close you feel to the what Paul is talking about. But I think if we search a little further, and excuse me for being technical just for another minute, a key that helps us is another two words in the original, which we translate in verse 14, for this reason. Paul says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Now when Paul says for this reason, there's something on his mind. For this reason, that which I have been thinking about, I bow my knees now before the Father. And if it's something he's already spoken about, then it must be something antecedent to uh, this this passage. Now what has Paul been speaking of? What has he been thinking about? It causes him to say, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Now immediately if you look immediately back in chapter three. You see two possibilities. As an example, in verse 8, some people say that Paul was caught by this thought, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I want you to see the dimensions of the unsearchable riches of Christ, and for this reason I bow my knees before the Lord. Some people go to verse 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus. And having thought again of this great eternal purpose, he says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. I mentioned Govet. He's such a Bible scholar. What does he think is the object of this dimension? 
Govet goes back to chapter 1 and verse 18. And says, uh, Paul is now speaking about the dimensions of the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I love Govet. He's really an inventive Bible scholar. But he makes a very good case for that. And certainly to see the glory, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, these are a, a vast dimension. But I think there's something simpler that will help us understand. This phrase in verse 14, for this reason, it itself has an antecedent in verse 1 where Paul says for this reason if you look in the most English translations you look at chapter 3 in verse 1 and you see a, a, a dash at the end of the verse Paul says for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, dash. And this, and this is what Paul is famous for, dashes. Because Paul sort of, for a moment, goes off the subject. Now you can see the reason why. Because he's been telling the Gentiles that they are part of all that God is doing in this great plan. And he just takes a sidetrack for a moment to tell them this mystery that I'm revealing to you is something that I want you to know. And, and then we see uh, this great mystery that he talks about in verse 6. Now the Gentiles could only know this by a revelation of God. Listen to this. The Gentiles are fellow heirs. Now the Jews always thought that they were the heirs of the kingdom. The kingdom will be divided into 12 Jewish tribes. Now Paul is saying it's been revealed the Gentiles also have a place in the kingdom. Now, if you're from the tribe of Jude, you say, what? Are they going to steal our territory? Paul says, no, the kingdom is much more vast and it includes you Gentiles. And you're also, number two in verse six, fellow members of the body. Not just saved, but second class citizens. The Jews being first, and the Gentiles being added in somehow. But no members of the same body. And thirdly, fellow partakers of the promises in Christ Jesus. You have the same promises that were given to Abraham and to Abraham's family. 那你这个应许是同样赐给亚伯拉罕还有他的一家的 
this is a tremendous revelation. This is what got him in trouble with the Jews. So Paul says, I know I'm a prisoner for you Gentiles. But he says in verse 13, don't worry about it. It's your glory that I have shared these truths with you. But what it means is, he began to say in chapter 3, verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, bow my knees before the Father. But instead, when he mentioned the word prisoner of the Lord for the sake of the Gentiles, he got off on this uh, little uh, Now here in verse 14, he picks it back up and he's ready to move forward. For this reason, I bow my knees. So now we can ask the question. What was it that immediately preceded chapter 3, verse 1? For Paul had this in his mind. And it was causing him to want to pray. And we see the answer. It's what, it was what we find at the very end of chapter 2. Let's read it again. Beginning in verse 19, he's concluding an argument about the place of the Gentiles and the Jews all together now. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. 第四九节到二十二节，这样你们不再做外人和客旅，是与众圣，是与圣徒同国，是神家里的人了，并且建造在使徒和先知的根基上，是有基督耶稣自己为房角石，各房靠他联络的合适，渐渐成为主的圣
A place where God and man dwell together. A sanctuary. A holy temple. This is a vast thought in Paul's mind. In those days, they still had the temple back in Jerusalem. And Paul mentions to the Gentiles. If you'll notice back in chapter 2, and verse, uh, in verse. Uh, about tearing down the wall of petition. Now, why have I lost it here? It's gone out of my Bible. 14, 14, 14. Yeah, yeah. Verse 14. Sorry. Yeah. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. 第十四节, 将两下合为合而为一，拆毁了中间，呃，隔断的墙。Now this phrase, the barrier of the dividing wall，那这一句中间隔断的墙。We know this is a technical term，我们看到是一个很技术的一个词。And it's speaking about the wall that was built in the temple in Jerusalem。那就是讲到在圣殿里面所建造的这墙。Is a wall of partition，那是分隔的这墙。They were literally partitions，那它确实是有分隔的这个。now the Gentiles could never go beyond that wall. You could walk up the stairs and into the Temple Mount. But you could never go past this wall without being killed if they found you. The Jews inside the Temple the Gentiles inside the court of the Gentiles but never go past that wall. Now God has broken down that wall through Jesus Christ and made the two one. And now the temple has no more barriers. Jews and Gentiles have one access by the Spirit unto the Lord. And God is building this holy temple in the Lord. And building us up into a habitation of God in the Spirit. This is that which is before Paul's mind. And this is that which he says. We may know the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of this habitation of God. In the spirit. What a wonderful thought. But we see immediately that Paul says, but, I, but we need to pray. It's impossible to understand what we're just talking about. Unless we know Christ dwelling in us. So Paul prays a prayer for the growth of the Christians in such a way that they might comprehend this holy sanctuary in our hearts. Did you know there's a sanctuary being built in our hearts? 
在建被建造呢？ Did you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know that your body is a temple of the Holy Under whom every family in heaven and earth are named, that He would grant to you, to be strengthened with power by the Spirit in the inner man. 借着他的灵，叫你们的心里的力量刚强起来。Our inner man needs to be strengthened by the powerful working of Christ of the Spirit. Why is the Spirit working with such tremendous power inside of us? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now the Bible tells us clearly that Christ dwells in the heart of every Christian. 那圣经告诉我们说，这个基督是住在每个基督徒的心里。You invited Christ into your heart from the moment you were saved. 你得救的那一天，就邀请基督住在你的心里。And Paul says in, in Corinthians, "Don't you know that Christ dwells in you?" 那保罗在哥林多书所告诉我们说，你不知道基督住在你的心里。If not, you're not a believer. 你如果没有的话，你不是个信徒。But there's one thing for Christ. To dwell in our hearts as a position of our salvation. 那有一件事情就是基督住在我们的心里面，那是我们得救的这个啊这个地位。And that's another thing for the Holy Spirit to build Christ into our hearts as our dwelling place. 但是提到基督建造在我们里面，成为我们的居所是另外一件事情。It's one thing for Christ to be a guest in your house. 那比方说，基督如果坐住在在你的家里面，只是做做客的话，是一件事情。You see, some of you, maybe one time you'll invite me to your house. 那或许你邀请我到你的家里。I'll come in. You'll sit in the living room. 你我来到你家里，我们就坐在客房客厅里面。I'll sit there and wait for the cook. 我就坐在那边等这个。And they say, okay, you can come to the dining room. 然后这个饭烧好了之后，我们就到这个。I'll eat in your dining room. 我们就去那边吃饭。Then I'll say, okay, bye bye. 我们就之后吃完就拜拜了。But what if I came into your house? 那如果我来到你的家里 ，and I say now, this is my house. 那如果我告诉你说这现在变成我的家了 ，Where's the master bedroom? It's mine. 那主卧室在哪里呢？这是我的。Ah,、uh, by the way, I don't like your food. Please, German food only. 那我不喜欢你的你所烧的菜，我只喜欢吃德国菜。This furniture, the living room, has to be changed. 那你现在这个客厅的这个这个家具不好看，你要改变一下。Uh, how would you feel then? 那你感觉会如何呢？ Oh, you learn have to learn a lot of patience. Yeah, 有相当的忍耐 You learn how to like German cooking, including a lot of cheese. 你要学习喜喜欢吃这个德国菜，特别是这个。Oh, this would be a trial for you. 那对你来说是很大的一个试炼 But this is exactly the point that Paul makes many times in the in the in the New Testament. 但是是保罗在新约所提到的许多次的地方 Is Christ just the invited guest? In your house, 那基督在你家只是一个做客的吗 ？Or is he the master of his house in you? 
That's a whole different relationship. And the Holy Spirit is working with great power in the inner man that has been redeemed in order to prepare a dwelling place where Christ can dwell and be at home. Now we're a new creation. It's the Holy Spirit who is taking out all of the garbage. It's the Holy Spirit that is bringing in the new. I don't know if on television you ever see this show called The Hoarders. Ever see that show? People who put stuff and stuff in their house. Newspapers, boxes. And you can't even walk around in their house so full of garbage. Every time you go to Chinese restaurant, you save the plastic fork and the knife. Open the shelf, garbage comes out. Now the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. Alright, we're building a sanctuary for Christ in your heart. This has to go, that has to go. This is holiness. This is truth. Oh, there's a powerful work in the inner man. What is a mature Christian? Is it somebody who has received the power of the Holy Spirit? They have some spiritual gift which they exercise? No, even a brand new Christian can receive some gift of the Spirit and know His power. But the mature Christian is one whose life has been transformed in the inner man. There's a new life coming out of that inner man. It's, it's the life of Christ. For me to live is Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. This is what Paul's praying for. It's one thing for us to see our place in Christ. It's another thing to see Christ in us. And as the Holy Spirit works, He builds Christ into us. And as He builds Christ into us. We begin to understand something. It says, again, we go back to chapter 3, and it says, verse 17, and so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now there's a picture again. You're being grounded. That, that means founded. The foundation is being built in this holy temple. You being once you get rooted and founded in this sanctuary in your heart. Then we begin to be able 
In verse 18, to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. How tremendous is the sanctuary of the heart. No Christian can comprehend it alone. But together with all the saints, we begin to see something. The illustration, as I understand it, is this. Perhaps you were alive in the days of Solomon when the temple was built. Solomon built a glorious temple. And when all the furniture was arranged, the glory of God came down on that temple and it was a wonderful moment. Now, you were there and you saw it. You'll never forget that. It's a glorious moment. What God has done in this temple. Then the priest comes out to you and says, Please, sister, come with me into the holy place. Now you've never seen the temple inside. What do you think is more glorious, the outside of the temple or the inside of the temple? Now the priest begins to take you in, but you're not ready. You're not cleansed. You're not wearing the robes. You haven't been prepared. You need to prepare by blood, by water, by cleansing. But let's just say all of that takes place. And even you sisters are allowed to be priests for one day. And they bring you into the holy place. The glory of the sanctuary exceeds any outward glory. Do you know what it looks like inside the sanctuary of God? First of all, you walk in. And there is a light that is so pure. That oil in the lamp is burning a pure light. No smoke no big wick, just light. And it's white light. And there is the most beautiful smell of incense burning there at the altar of incense. Just makes you want to worship and praise God. And then you see over on the right the most beautiful bread. Seemingly to be bread made from heaven. And only the best Levite chefs can make this kind of bread. Taste as I never had such good bread. Should you be invited into the Holy of Holies? It's even more glorious. Because inside it's the glory of God that lights it up. And you see the ark and the cherubim over the ark, all gold. And that's what Paul says he wants us to see. 
When we see Christ in me, many great servants of God say that was the moment of their sanctification. Once they saw that the sanctuary of Christ in them was a holy place, it changed their outward life. As we gather together, why do you gather with us this morning? Because you love to worship our God. You love to break bread with us. Maybe you desire to hear a word of God. Maybe you like fellowship and eating downstairs. But there are some who are here for another reason. Why? Because when we come together, if Christ has been built in our hearts, we look around and we begin to comprehend with all the saints a breadth, a length, a height, a depth to this church, this life of Christ being built within us. There's not only a glorious work that God is doing outwardly, but you and I, the Spirit is doing a great work within us that the glory of God may dwell in this clay vessel. When two or three are gathered together, you can see that glory. It's a glory in the house of God. In his sanctuary, the world can't see it. But you see it. It's so precious. To see Christ in a brother, to see Christ in a sister. Oh, it's such an encouragement. And when we see this sanctuary of the heart, we see a love of Christ that surpasses all that. What is the atmosphere of the sanctuary of the heart? Love. Love. Beyond our understanding. We seldom can experience a sense of Christ in us. Uh, because even though we're self-centered, this sense eludes us. But when we see Christ in our brother or sister, we understand that Christ also is in us. There's a richness, there's a glory in your brothers and your sister. Every time we see it, well, what can we say? It's the love of God. How could God save such a person? But He did. And He's working. Look at that grace. So our brother Xi Ming, he began today. Shared about love and grace. And you watch our brother. What do you see? Love and grace. Saved our brother. 
gave him a word to say. Full of grace, full of love. That's the atmosphere of the sanctuary of the heart. And what happens when we gather together and we see this? Paul goes on to say that you might be filled up to all the fullness of God. Oh, what a great work. Wait, 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 you didn't hear it. That you may be filled Unto all the fullness of God. Now wait, uh, now we have to make uh, something clear. There is no human soul that can hold the fullness of God. Neither, neither is there any church that can hold the fullness of the infinite God. But He can share his fullness with us to our capacity. Oh, that the Spirit might work in the inner man. That our capacity to understand and manifest the fullness of God may ever increase. Now Paul is praying for a big thing. Here's a big thing. I'm praying for you to be filled up with all the fullness of God. You say, oh, oh, that's impossible. No, no, not me. My wife, maybe she could be filled up. No, 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 not me. I'm such a poor vessel. That's okay. Now the Holy Spirit is working in you 24-7. If your wife is perfect, He gives her the night off. No, 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 no. The Spirit's always working. Always working. Until we're filled to all the fullness of God. Now that's you. Do you see it? This is a revelation as magnificent as the revelation of the mountain of glory. You see the mountain? You have come to Mount Zion. Do you see Christ in you? You have come to the sanctuary. Oh, this is so precious. But of course, it makes us feel that there's no way we can ever do this. How can we ever be filled up to the fullness of God? And that's why in verse 20, Paul prays, Now unto him who is able. We, we can't do this. Don't say, okay, I, I'm going to build more of Christ into me. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. According to the power that works within us. This is a revelation of something vast. Dwelling in the hearts of the believers. 
you know, there's some scientists, even our brother Christian, who, who was amazed by the vastness of the universe. And so with physics and astronomy to try to explore this vast universe, it must end somewhere, but it seems infinite to our small knowledge. Now there's some doctors. They are exploring the vastness of the microscopic universe. You know how old I am? When I was in science, they said the atom is the smallest particle of our reality. I went to school before there was light. Now there's within the atom, and then within the protons and the neutrinos and the and the it's it's like infinitely deeper in in waves of infinitude. Alright. So here's our reality. We're in Christ. How big is that? Move the camera back. It's getting bigger. In Christ. All things in Christ. Now, get out your microscopes. Christ is in you. How deeply in you? How deep is the work of the cross in you? Just look, look. It's deeper, it's deeper. Oh, you thought you had sin when you were first saved. Look a little deeper. There's deeper things the Spirit's working on than you ever thought He wanted to work on. There's, look, there's glory. No, no, not much glory. Wait they're the glory. But you and I are the New Jerusalem. We're the stones. And we have been made transparent gold so all the glory of Jesus can shine right through us. That's the work that's going on right now. What did they call that in the ancient days when they thought you could take it? Lead and turn it into gold. What's that? This is a mystery alchemy going on in your life and mine. He's transforming us from glory to glory as we behold Jesus. Now, I don't want any of you to start looking at your belly button and say, Oh, look how beautiful I am. No. It's only by His power that He can do this. Not as we look at ourselves, as we look away unto Jesus, this allows God to do a great work. Paul doesn't just pray. 
he bows his knees. And he doesn't just bow his knees. He falls on his face. Because he realizes that this great reality that he's speaking about is impossible with man, only possible with God. And yet he prays for this very thing, that we might be filled up to all the fullness of God. Is Christ in your heart? By faith? It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Do you feel it? No, that doesn't say you have to feel it. Start out with this. Do you believe it? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. God is doing tremendous things. And if we see these things, then we're able to do these very practical things that Paul brings before us beginning in chapter 4, 5, and 6. How can we walk worthy of our calling? Only when we see the macrocosmic goal Everything summed up in Christ. How can we walk worthy of our calling? Only, only when we see the Holy Christ in us. This is a vast and mature understanding of what God is doing. Now may God give us the grace to enter into these things. Do we have in the course book, uh, Lord, prepare me? Could we just sing in the chorus book? Uh, um, what number, Helen? 135. Let's sing 135. This is a very simple prayer. Let's sing it through two times. I know it's a little late. Uh, I borrowed some of uh, Christian's time, but I will just have a prayer after this course.
before you today. Your work is so vast. Your love is so great. Your spirit is so powerful and faithful. That we look unto you. Even to fulfill these great matters. Oh Lord, bring us under the headship of Christ in every aspect of our life. And bring our hearts in all ways under the mastery of the Lord Jesus. That we might be experiencing the fullness of God. We thank you for the precious Apostle Paul and his revelations to us. Now, Lord, make them real to us. As we place ourselves in your hands. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.